And uh, as Pastor Omer has already said, everything's starting to open up in the city and the province and eventually everywhere else. And it feels like there's a big spirit, a big theme of, let's go, going out there in the world today. Let's go to the restaurant. Let's go to somebody else's house. Let's go literally anywhere because we couldn't go anywhere for so long. Um, you know, everybody's making excuses. And, and uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but the rules really aren't being followed by anybody anymore. I don't know if those 5,000 people outside the Bell Center are 250 people, but I'm pretty sure it's not 250 people who are going nuts every time the Canadians score a goal outside the Bell Center. I'm not complaining, I'm just saying. Everybody's got this attitude right now, let's go, let's get out, let's go do stuff. Man, today would be an easy day to do a Father's Day sermon, wouldn't it? Talk about fatherhood, talk about the fatherhood of God, and even as the song said that today. And uh, so I'm, I, you know, and I'm a dad, and I'm getting, I'm, I, you know, I'm getting older now, middle-aged, as they say. I am. I know I look so young, but I am. And uh, I, I showed a work, I showed a picture of myself with Val at work, and one of my coworkers says, "It looks like you're dating a 25-year-old." and that you're like way too old for her. I said, thank you very much, appreciate that. Um, and so, you know, I could talk about that, and it's true, Father's Day is important and, and Father's Day is good, but I'm not gonna go there today. Uh, as we come out of this, I mean, how many of you are sick of hearing the word pandemic? I could do without ever hearing the word pandemic again. Just if you're wondering, now COVID is what they call endemic, which means it's with us forever. It's never going away in that sense, uh, but it's gonna be with us forever. But the pandemic sure did change our priorities a lot, didn't it? Uh, how many of you used to work in an office and right now you're working at home? Anybody here? Put up your hand. Quite a few people working from home, working from home, working from home, right? Do you remember dressing up for work? Do you remember what that was like? And actually like, oh, you know, does my shirt match my pants? None of that even matters anymore, right? Um, now though, Business is starting to open. Some businesses are starting to open again, starting to ask people to come back. And boy, people are going, oh, they're readjusting to having to get actually dressed up again. Now, I've been going to church work every day during the pandemic, so it didn't change for me, but I know for a lot of people it's a real effect. Uh, do you remember how important toilet paper became during the beginning of the pandemic? Do you remember that? When everybody, being selfish, bought all the toilet paper. By the way, it's the people who freeze up. People returning to Walmart and trying to return 30 packages of toilet paper. And Walmart going, sorry, we don't take toilet paper back, you know? But people were like, let's go get toilet paper. Anybody try to buy wood lately? The price of wood is bonkers, isn't it, right? Because the supply chain's been disrupted and everything's going on in businesses around the world and, and really it's all going crazy. I saw a good joke the other day. Somebody had a splinter in their finger and they said, I just spent $500 of wood on, at Home Depot. And it was a splinter. Uh, you know, you get it. Things have changed a lot. But certainly it's rearranged priorities a lot, I think for a lot of people, hasn't it? Um, it's made a lot of things very different and helped us realize some things we missed and some things we, we, we uh, maybe forgot about. You know, obviously in Montreal it's easy these days to use the Habs and what's going on with the Montreal Canadiens as an example because even if you do not like hockey, you've heard of what's going on right now. You know, as much as my daughter tries to emulate my mother and ignore the Habs, I know she's sneaking by, oh, we want, oh good. You know, egg, right? So everybody's into it. But do you remember when there was nothing for a few months? Do you remember that? Do you remember that feeling when nothing, there was no church? There was literally nothing of anything. Do you remember that? No entertainment, no 
distraction, no church, no nothing. It was very odd, wasn't it? And it caused a lot of people to search and a lot of people to ask questions. And so today when I'm talking about let's go, I'm not talking about let's go somewhere, although that's exciting. I want to talk about it in a different way. I actually, uh, as I told you, I'm now in my mid-40s, and uh, I really do believe that we're created to go. All of us are created to go. And I'm going to explain what that means. But before we do that, we're going to look back at the words of Jesus. Okay, we're going to go back to a parable. Okay, there's a story he told in Matthew 13. There's actually two stories. They're both one line. Jesus uh, was perfecting Twitter before Twitter existed. Uh, full stories in less than 140 characters that tell a full meaning. This is, if Jesus could tweet, this is what it would look like. First one says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and in his joy went and sold all he had to buy the field. Verse 45, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Now, I think if you just read that, most of us can infer right away what's going on. So the, 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 the similarity or the, the, the comparison of these two parables makes it clear. It teaches the exact same lesson. The kingdom of heaven, we're talking about a second, is of unbelievable value. The most value, as it were. Now, I want to ask a question. I have some people live again, so this is new for me. Anybody want to take a stab at what does it mean, the kingdom of heaven? Anybody? I'll repeat it for the people watching online if you want to. This is important. Remember how I always teach you guys? You can't just read the Bible, read something like the kingdom of heaven a thousand times, and then have no idea what it means. So when someone says to you, what's the kingdom of heaven? You go, uh, heaven? What is the kingdom of heaven? Anybody want to take a stab? We're all shy this morning? I, I, sorry, somebody says I'm going over there. The truth of faith? Great, that's a good answer. Anybody else? Uh, well, my mother says something. I have to listen. What was it? Anywhere where God rules. Okay. Anybody else? It's a big, the kingdom of heaven is pretty big, so you can throw out your, uh, see, we hear kingdom when we think territory, right? But that's not what it's talking about here. Mm -hmm. I'll combine what my mother and what Carl said there. The kingdom of heaven, how about this? It's life lived with and for Jesus. Okay, that's what, we're talking about here, the kingdom of heaven. So the kingdom of heaven, the Bible tells us, is where? Does anybody know where the kingdom of heaven is? Anybody want to take a guess? And nobody, who, anybody, anybody want to guess where the kingdom of heaven is? The Bible tells you actually where it is, literally. Uh, anybody? Yeah, so what was that, brother? In our hearts. It's within us. It's within you. That's where the kingdom of heaven is. So it's not some mystical place that's another plane of existence that when we die, we go get a harp and some wings and then we just strum all the, oh, isn't this lovely? That's not... The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven, the Bible says, is within you. When you live for and with Jesus, the kingdom, the entirety of the kingdom of heaven is within you. Is within you. Okay? You are not the kingdom of heaven, but it is within you. So this is something you cannot put a price on. It is indeed priceless. Uh, a few days ago, my wife didn't know this would be in my sermon, but she gave me a good uh, sermon illustration. She sent me a picture of a gigantic diamond that was found in South Africa. Did anybody see that story this week? And she said, you can buy me this one. <laughs> right? Now, I'm sure that one has a price. Certainly not a price I can afford, but it has a price. Right? Very few things on earth that we can touch and feel are priceless. 
But what is priceless? You want to take a step? You know what's priceless? Yesterday, while Val and I, well, Val and I, we did our, Val's not in her 40s yet, so I'll forgive her, but I did my old man thing, and we bought an outdoor swing yesterday, and I built it, and then I just sat on it. And then I got, not like a kid swing, like old people swing, you know? And uh, it was nice. And we were sitting there, and we got a text from Jasmine, or not text, uh, a picture from Jasmine, who's here this morning and pregnant, and it was a 3D rendering of the baby. Like now, technology is so far advanced, they could take a picture of the baby and send us a th But the baby was like this. <laughs> and Jasmine does say, she thinks the baby was upset. He was praying, or she was praying. I, I don't know if I was prophetic there. The baby was praying and was being bothered because they kept on poking the baby. And the baby was like, I'm praying. Leave me alone. And, uh, but it was amazing. Now, I'm sure that Jasmine and Tyler paid a price to have that service. But the picture is priceless. Why? Because of the value. Because seeing baby is priceless. So if, now, there might be a number of which Jasmine and Tyler said, I can't afford, I can't pay that to get that picture. It's too much money. If they said, look, it's $300. Okay, I can afford $300. Well, it's $400. I can't afford $400. So then they would miss out on that. Yeah, but it's still, the picture would still remain priceless. You understand what I'm saying? Whether or not they had the money to pay for it. Okay? But now when you're reading these parables, these stories of Jesus, he's saying these things are found. They're not paid for. Okay? Think about it for a second now. Because, as we'll find out, you didn't have to pay for it. Somebody else did. Right? So it's like them saying, I would love to have a picture of a baby. And they say, well, it's 500 bucks. And they say, listen, our budget's tight right now. The pandemic's been rough. I don't have $500. You know? And then somebody comes out of nowhere and says, don't worry. Here's $500. Right? Oh, thank you. Now, let me ask you something. The picture of the baby, which is priceless regardless of who paid for it, right? And remains priceless, no matter whether they paid for it or somebody else paid for it, right? Let me think about this now for a second, okay? So we can't pay for the kingdom of God. But both these stories involve a story of a man who sold everything they had to go back and get the land or to get the pearl, Right? And the treasure, of course, or the pearl, represents here Jesus Christ and his salvation that he offers. Okay? We can't sell everything and say, okay, well, Jesus, I've sold everything, and I get it. In fact, there's a story where Jesus actually calls us out of a rich guy. Right? Do you remember that story? A rich young man comes up to Jesus and says, oh, what should I do to be saved? And Jesus tests him and says, you know what, sell everything you have and come and follow me. And he goes, no, I can't do that. He went, actually, actually says, you know, the Bible says, it's, it's a sad story, because it says, he went away sad, because he was so tied to his material possessions, he couldn't do it. Okay, but in this story, when, what the, the imagery is that both these men, I guess, here, say, I'm giving up everything to get this treasure, okay, or this pearl of great price, which is a thing you'll hear as you read more and more of the Bible and stuff like that, and more and more studies and so on. Now, we're going to go to Philippians later, but we're going to continue here for a little bit. In both stories, in both parables, the treasure is hidden, right? Indicating or showing us sometimes that spiritual truth can be missed. Now, there's something important, and I couldn't find where this quote was, and I feel like it's J.R.R. Tolkien from Lord of the Rings, but I couldn't find it. But something's only hidden because it hasn't been found yet. Say that again, okay? Something's only hidden because it hasn't been found yet yet. It's like all the socks that disappear from your house. You think the washing machine and the dryer ate them. That's not what happened. They're somewhere. You just haven't 
found them yet, or you accidentally threw them away, and that's where they are. Okay? And important, the important thing to remember about God is, while it sometimes feels like God's truth or God's message is hidden, it's not hidden, you just haven't found it yet. But what's the key in both these stories? Two one-line stories. What is the key about these two men? What is the characteristic that they show that will explain to us how we can find God? What's the, what's the key? Anybody want to, we're getting participatory here. We need to be as we get further on. What do you think this is? What is the characteristic? Sorry? Who said that? Thank you, Adenike. They were looking for it. Both of them were searching for the treasure, and they found it. And that's the promise of the Word of God. The Bible says, if you seek me, you will find me. If you ask, I will answer. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and I will answer. See, God's promise is always, if you go, you will find. So in both these stories, the key is not so much the treasure. That's what we all focus on. The key is, is that they went to go find it. Now notice something important. When they found the priceless item, they stopped looking. Okay? Once you found it, why look? It's like your loved ones. I'm going to pick on them today because it already started. When Tyler found Jasmine, he didn't keep on looking. He put a ring on it. Yeah. <laughs> right? When you find the person you love, why do you keep on looking? You don't. But it's the same thing. When you found Jesus Christ, you don't keep on looking. Now, I want to be careful. There's a truth to the idea that we should keep learning and understanding other things. Okay? And understand what other people believe and understand about life and so on. But it's not like you're shopping for options. And in fact, if I could just say one thing, I'm a little bit older, I find that's one of the problems that's holding up the couple of generations, not so much my daughter's generation, but the generation between my daughter and myself, is that they're always wondering what the next option is. Uh, millennials are famous for not keeping appointments. Um, be, you know, yeah, I'll be there on Thursday, oh, I can't come Thursday, and they, you know, whatever. Not because they're bad or whatever, I'm not picking on them, I'm just saying it's because they've been trained and conditioned by society and life to never settle on something. They never settle on anything. And look, we're not much better. I don't want to just pick on them. I'm just giving an example, okay, that we have to be careful that we're all going to keep my options open. Why so many um, relationships fail. By the way, ladies, if a guy ever says that to you, run as fast as you can. Vice versa, too, but it tends to be guys who say that more often. So it would be ludicrous to keep looking for something you've already found. Imagine being a pearl merchant and trying to find the greatest pearl ever, and then you find it and go, well, this might not be the greatest pearl ever. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. How many of you have ever done something like that? Where you've been somewhere, you've seen something, you're like, I need to get that for the house, or I need to get that. And then you don't. And then three months later, you're like, duh! I, uh, remember that thing? I should have got that thing. Right? It's a human nature. Okay? Now, I know we're not talking about buying here, but you get this story of what I'm talking about. So it would be ludicrous to be So my encouragement today is to go, and I'm going to talk about that in a second. A lot of us have been, a lot of times, sorry, last few months, whether you've been listening online or here in person, if you've been coming, is we've been looking at what's called the Great Commission, when Jesus commissioned the disciples to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's go back there again, Matthew 28. I believe I have it. There you go. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus, now when he's uh, risen from the dead and he's got his followers with him and his disciples to them, and they're all gathered and they're like, yay, Jesus is back. Let's have a party. And Jesus goes, okay, go away. That's exactly what happened. He didn't shoo them away, but he was saying, great, we're all here now, everything's good, and now what I'm doing is I'm sending you out. And this is what you're going to do. And in the same way as we come to this pandemic slowdown, and we're all, yay, we're all coming back together. And that's important, we should do that on Sundays. And I believe what God is doing, going to do to us is great. Things are open again, now go. Go out into your workplaces into your homes, into your streets, into your supermarkets, into you, wherever you are, your Starbucks's, and go and make disciples. We're going to remind ourselves of a few things. It's Jesus now that we're living for and serving. So Jesus has, all, uh, has the authority, right? How much of the authority does he have? All. Okay, so it's important. All authority in heaven and on earth is given to Jesus. There's no other source. We found the pearl of greatest price. We found the treasure. All authority is his. You may say, well, yeah, but what about this world system? And what about this thing? What about that opinion? Great. That's fantastic. All authority belongs to Jesus Christ. Okay? And is Jesus, well, I don't know. If I go, if I go and try to live like this, if I live, for, is Jesus going to be with me? Is the, I know the kingdom of heaven is me, but is Jesus with me? What does the last sentence say? I am with you how often? Always. Even in the darkest depths, even in the highest heights, Jesus is with us always. That's why he's priceless. That's why he's the pearl of greatest price. That's why he's the treasure, the great treasure to be found. He is all authority and he's with you always. Oh, even right now? Yes. Like right now. Like right now, 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 now. He's with you. Oh, even when I'm doing bad? Yeah, he's with you. Do you think God departs you when you've fallen a bit to the side? No, he's calling you to repentance and calling you back into relationship with himself by the Holy Spirit. So now that we're back together, that's what I want to talk about today. Let's go. Let's go. Now, I don't know about many of you. Again, I, I know I use sports analogies so much, but I'm, as I told you, I just turned 43 years old. I remember that the first time I played team sports, I was six years old. I don't know if my parents remember. I played for the Brookwood Reds. I played baseball for the Brookwood Reds over there somewhere to the left, and had the nice little red pinstripe uniform. I so I was six years old. That was 37 years ago, and I've played team sports every year pretty much since that day. So a lot of my analogies come from there. And people say let's go a lot in sports. You ever heard that? Caleb's a big let's go guy. My son is a big let's go guy. Let's go. He's always saying that, right? Playing sports, whatever. Uh, there's a few people here who have played sports with me as well. And whatever, I often, if I'm playing on a team, I'm a captain or one of the assistant captains, and you're on the bench with your guys, and you're always going, let's go, boys, let's go. Right? It's a form of encouragement. It's a form of let's go, let's do this. I think that's what we're made for. Now that we're all back together, let's go. Philippians 3 has a very interesting passage that I want to just dig through, okay? So if you can go for there. Now, there's a lot of verse up there, so I'm going to forgive you if you can't go through it all, but we're going to stop as we go. It says, now, Paul had just been talking about literally how, before, how awesome he was before he was a Christian. What I mean by that, he was talking about how privileged, how wealthy, and how knowledgeable, and how important he was before he was a Christian, because he was. So he was just saying, man, I was the Hebrew of the Hebrews, man, I was the, I was the Pharisee of the Pharisees. I had all sorts of money, I had all sorts of position, I could do whatever I want, I was persecuting the church. I, I was the bee's knees, I was the big shot. That's what he's saying. 
Then he starts it. He starts it. He says, but. Now, important. There's a couple of words in the Bible you always got to look out for. But and therefore. Always pay attention. When you ever see that word but or therefore, highlight that because that's telling you there's a, there's a teaching coming to a paradoxical teaching that we need to get. He goes, but whatever were gains to me, whatever privilege I had, whatever strength I had, whatever I had, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. So whatever I had before, whatever was great about me, whatever was fantastic about me, whatever was important about me, I consider it loss for the sake of Christ. So he's referring to his past and all the good stuff from it. Now, he's not saying it didn't matter. He's not saying he regrets his past. He's just saying compared to finding the pearl of greatest price, compared to having the greatest treasure, it's whatever. It's nothing. What is more, he said, I consider everything a loss because of surpassing worth. Here's that word, worth, the value. Of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. So how many things does Paul consider worthless compared to Jesus Christ? How many things? Everything. Now, does this mean he dislikes or disdains or devalues other things? No, that's the mistake we make. See, that's a mistake that like monks make, right? When they go, oh, we, we don't want to be of the world, so we build a castle out in the middle of nowhere, and we, we shun the world, and we don't eat fine foods, and we wear itchy robes, and we shave our heads in stupid haircuts so we don't look beautiful because everything is lost for Christ. That's the wrong, that's a crazy type of thinking. That, and that's why they ended up whipping themselves, right? Because they took it so far that it didn't make sense. Right? It's not saying I devalue everything else and only value Christ. It's I have value and esteem Christ above all things. Now, I wonder if I ask for a show of hands, who esteems Christ above all things? We'll, we all put our hands quickly, but do we esteem Christ above your family? Your kids? I don't have it with me. Your wallet? Your schedule? Your job, your comfort, your own life. Like, I know, oh, you're such a downer, maybe you say, oh, you're such a downer. But listen, that's what Paul is getting at. Paul had been, Paul, there's a one point where Paul goes through all the things he's having. He's like, I've been shipwrecked, I've been beaten, I've been stoned, I've been imprisoned, yet. There's another good word in the Bible, yet. Right? It's all for Jesus. So when you find something of great value, why would you trade it for anything else? And again, it's not saying I despise the other things. It's saying that I know what is of most value. um, In fact, he says here, here uh, here it goes, I consider them garbage. See that line there? Now I want you to know the actual word is probably more likely dung. Do we all know what dung is? Okay? Can I animal poop? Okay? That's what he's saying. That I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Jesus, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. What he's saying is, I'm not made right because I follow a bunch of rules or because I live a certain way. I'm made right and made whole because I follow and know Jesus Christ. I have found the pearl of greater price, greatest price. I found the treasure, and that's what I live for. And everything else, if I have to, comparatively, not that they're, but comparatively, they're done. Okay? Oh, you're too extreme. Okay, maybe. I don't know. But I'm just reading what the Bible says. 
and the conviction of the Holy Spirit tells me to share with you. It's not devaluing it. You don't devalue your family. You don't devalue your life, your fight, devalue your job. You understand that Jesus is worth so much that everything else falls beneath it. He says this, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection, our participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining resurrection from the dead. Okay, first he says, I want to know Christ, right, to know Jesus Christ. Now, we say, well, I know him, I have a relationship with him. I think we understand, he's, he's talking about something a little deeper here. As Brother Shola said earlier, you know, Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is within you, and to know what it is to have that power of the resurrection. The, the promise of the Bible is that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, as we are, dwells in you, lives in you. So the kingdom of God lives in you. That means the same power that brought Jesus back from the dead lives inside of you. That's what he's talking about here, to know the power of the resurrection. And now here's the next one. Nobody likes talking about, especially in 21st century North America, and participation in his suffering. Who likes to suffer? Anybody like it? That's not what Paul's saying. Nothing I enjoy he's saying, but he understands that there's suffering that comes with it. Now might say, well, we went through the pandemic, we all suffered. It's not like that. Okay, let's not, let's not overdo it. I want, I want to take a moment here. We're going to pray afterwards just to mention. The, you may have heard of the young lady who was killed in a car accident this week in Pierfond, Roxborough. She was killed by a car. She was walking from her house. Um, it's tragic in and of itself, but it's, you know, adding to that, um, she was actually a close family friend of the folks sitting here in the third row, and they were believers. She's a believer, and so was her family, and uh, we have a connection to them through that way, okay? That family is suffering, and we're going to pray for them and, and lift them up. Okay, um, just I wanted to just mention that as we go through, and I don't want to forget about that. Okay, so when we understand what it means, the participation in his sufferings, it's important. Listen, we are really bad at suffering. We, as a society, are really bad at suffering. We could see it through the pandemic. Everybody freaked out through that. Now, some people, you know, went through a horrific time, but for the most of us, it was inconvenient, but it wasn't you know, the end of the world. And um, I understand that it can be a bit challenging to talk about suffering. But, you know, for example, tonight, I don't know, what time is the game at? Today, 8, probably? Because it's on American TV. Montreal plays at 8 o'clock tonight. Okay? And, you know, what if, what if the Spirit of God falls in the church meeting starts moving, so how many of us are going to be going, oh, oh, what time is it? What time is it? Like, we can't even not see a hockey game, never mind suffer. In fact, in 30 minutes, the, parent, the country of my parents' birth is playing a very big game in a tournament against an, another country. And maybe some people are going, well, I hope this guy wraps it up so I can get home in time to watch Italy play Wales. Right? Like, we, we're so... Bad. And I know uh, some of you are going, yeah, sports are stupid. Listen, replace sports with whatever it is you love. And that's what I'm talking about. Okay? It's the same thing. Right? As Jim Gaffigan says, everybody has their cheeseburgers. Right? You can, you can criticize those who eat cheeseburgers, but when you drink an 800-calorie latte, what's the difference? Right? <laughs> same thing with sin and with temptation. You might criticize those who watch one thing or do one thing, but what's your... Wales versus Italy. Okay? What I'm saying is there comes a point in time where we're promised. Listen to this now. I hope I don't ruin your day. Jesus promised we will suffer for him. 
I know you want to hear Jesus promised victory. He did. Jesus promised healing. He did. Jesus promised a lot of great things. He also promised we're going to suffer. You don't believe me? Let's look at John 16, 33. Jesus says, I told you these things. He's telling you. see? So it's going to happen. But we don't, we don't despair. We don't get sad. We don't say, that's it. I'm selling the pearl. That's it. I'm giving away the field because I can't handle this. We know that when we, as I always tell you guys, I've said it a hundred times here, we don't, Christians don't go around problems. We don't go under problems. We don't even go over problems. We go right through them because we've got Jesus Christ with us. And that's how we come out on the other end. Amen? Why? And we have peace through it because Jesus Christ tells us and gives us all the kingdom of God is within us. Amen? The power of God, the power of resurrection is within us. So when we suffer, we participate not just in his suffering, but also in his victory. Because why? We can take heart. I have overcome the world. All right, go back to the Philippians one. Uh, sorry, the next, I, I, I realize I, it's my fault. I split them up. Thank you. Okay, he says, not that I have already obtained all this. So now we're back to Paul. He's saying, this is Paul, not Paul. Well, not that I've already obtained all this, not that I've already figured this all out, or have I already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Okay, so what he's saying is, not that I'm there yet, but I'm going to go, so that I might go to get to where Jesus Christ has made me to go. So that's what I'm talking about, go. Let me go to the next verse, bud, if you got it there. Did I? Yeah. Nope. Is there another one? No. Okay, I'm a bad person. Okay, so this is fine. It says, Paul says this, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Okay, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Did you hear that now? Forgetting what is behind. Many of us are trapped by our past. Okay? Our past is a constant reminder of our failures, our embarrassments, and our regrets. And we get caught by that. Okay? Some of us are even trapped by our immediate past, like the pandemic. And, like, okay, let's go now. Okay? Let's go. All right, we've had a rough year and a half. All right, let's go. All right. Um, it says, straining toward us ahead, I press on. You see, there's, like a, there's a pressing on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. There's a certain amount of, okay, I get it. We've had a tough time. I mean, look, I don't know if anybody can say, I know I had tons of fun during the pandemic. I certainly didn't enjoy everything that went on. And it's not even over. Okay? But we cannot be held back by that. Okay? I know people are worried now, like, oh, what if there's a... Just, okay, let's go now. Let's go and get our lives in order individually and as a church and get out there and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's press on. You know, when you're pressing on, it means sometimes you're pressing through or on stuff is going on around you. Not everything's going to stop around you. I know we're all waiting for a perfect moment. Man, I'll really commit my life to God when things are right. I'll really commit my life when things are perfect. After I graduate university or after I get married or after my kids are moved out of the house or after, you know, like there's always a, there's always a point. You'll pick a, you'll pick a point and a pin in the future and then the net, when you get to that pin, you'll just move it down the road. You know why? Because you're still looking for the treasure. You're still looking for the pearl. You're still looking. And I think God is saying, let's go now. Let's go. Now, stop looking. You found it. It's Jesus Christ. 
And I know there's, I, I don't want to disparage any other political, religious, or philosophical, philosophical idea out there, but I will say this without a shadow of a doubt, and I mean, it's being recorded, so it's there for history. There is only one mediator between God and man, and that is Jesus Christ. And that's just the truth. And I realize that there are billions of people who think I'm wrong, and I'm okay with that. Now, I don't know what that is for you. Okay? But I think it's time to go. Let's go. You're here now, and I'm glad you're all here. I hope more and more of you come as the weeks come and everybody gets used to being around people again and so on and so forth. And we have church again. Fantastic. Great. But I can tell you this, that throughout the summer, I'm going to have one overarching message. Come to church and then go away. Come to church and then go away. Because this country of ours, the city of ours, needs Jesus Christ, needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every day I'm talking to people who are confused, hurt, and lonely. They're angry, they, whatever. And the pandemic only made all of those things come bubble to the surface. And I'm afraid now with all our entertainment back and everything back and everything open again, everybody's just going to do what they did before. Drown it in hockey, drown it in beer, drown it in friendship, drown it in wine, drown it in whatever. Everybody's just going to Keep it under the nice civil cover of let's not deal with the issues that are going on. But my friends, you and I were created to know and have a relationship with our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what we were created to do. And he's calling to, he's calling to us, those who know, to go. God will do amazing things with your life when you give your life to Jesus Christ. Do you know, it's so funny this happened because I was trying to find an example and then I got it. Um, my father-in-law showed me a picture yesterday. It was taken probably, from what we can tell, in 19, the March of 1984, best we can tell, maybe March of 1985. It's hard to tell what the picture was, but it's the church I grew up in all went sugaring off. You know Cabana Sucre? We all went to the Cabana Sucre together, okay? And there's a picture of a bunch of people from the church, but in the front of that picture, there's two little girls off to the side there, and one of those little girls happens to be Valerie, and she's like two or three, so she's being a two or three-year-old. She's like, well, whatever two or three-year-olds do. And then over the other side, there's three boys. Okay, one of them six, one of them seven, and one of them is eight. Or sorry, nine. And they all have sticks, you know, like boys do out in the country, okay, and whatever. And right, the two people right in front of the picture is Valerie and the boy over there. Who is it? It's me. And as far as we know, that's probably the first picture, we think maybe one or two of the first pictures, where Val and I, who grew up in the same church, but did not, I mean, she was a three-year-old and I was a six or seven, four years older than her, right? And why am I telling you this? Because God, her parents, my parents, they found the pearl of greatest price. They found the treasure and they were committed to a church and just live for God. There's no way they knew all out at that cabana in the early 80s that this little three-year-old and that little boy waving a stick around, one day, not only would they get married, the four of them would be sitting in church watching one of them lead worship and the other one preach. And you would say, well, it won't be like that for me. Are you crazy? Of course it will. That's exactly what happens when you give your life to Jesus Christ. When these little ones in the, in the church today, man, I was thinking about Ella. I was telling Val about Ella. Ella, sorry to pick you up, but I was so whatever. And then she came, she's like a teenager now, and she's like, hey, how's it going? I was like, whoa, like, you know, all well-spoken. I was just like, oh my goodness, you know, they come out of nowhere. But that's God, you know what I mean? Because God. Because God. You know? I'm sorry, I'll have to put you out like that, but I know you love me. Uh, you know? But it's the same for all of you who've got little kids. Do not discount how much going to church and then living that outside of church is going to affect the next generation. 
Let me tell you, every single one of you who has a little one, uh, not just little one, uh, adult children even too, that's going to make a massive difference because they see it. Listen, mom, dad, I don't want to embarrass you, but I wrote it down, so I've got to repeat it. Any secrets? And I grew up in a house, I was the youngest of five kids by a lot. Okay, my, my, my brother who's closest to me is eight years older than me. So I was almost like an only child, but like had like older siblings who often would babysit me and so on because I was so much younger. And believe it or not, my parents argued at home and they got into disagreements even about church things. Okay, and they, you know, had issues dealing with my siblings. I was perfect. They didn't have any problems with me, but um, they had problems with my siblings. That's not true, by the way. I was terrible. But, um, uh, you know, issues with my siblings and whatever. But what I never saw was them give up on Jesus. You see? So I began to understand. I, I got to learn by the time I was 16, 17. I get it now. I get it. Stuff happens. Life happens. Suffering happens. But just don't give up on Jesus because he never gives up on you. That's the lesson I learned. That's what I'm telling you. That's the lesson to take out there. Listen, I have a question for you. Someone says to you, why do you go to church? What's your answer? Man, I, listen, I studied theology. I've been preaching for 20-something years. I go to church all the time, and my only answer is because of Jesus. I got nothing fancy. I got nothing deeper than that because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. And so I'm encouraging you this morning. That's our message. So let's go. That's what I'm saying. Let's go. Okay, I'm like, I'm like trying to be like maybe one of the assistant captains here today or the captain of the team. Let's go. Okay, I'm not the captain anymore. John is actually now of our team. That's why he's over there. All right, and uh, so let's go. Okay, let's go and bring this news. You found, if you found the pearl of greater price, if you found the treasure, you got it. You sold everything. Now you're ready for it. You're go. Okay, now today, if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you haven't found that pearl, if you haven't found that treasure, guess what? You just found it. Not in me or even in what I said, okay, but in Jesus Christ. You can even say to God right now, God, I don't even know. Is this what this guy talking about true? And there'll be, a, there'll be something like a confirmation from God, Holy Spirit, God, just say to you, yep, that's the truth right there. All his stories, all his analogies, you can throw those in the garbage, but what he said about Jesus Christ being the Savior, that's true. And that's what the Holy Spirit will say to you right now. So if you're, if you're, if you're searching, I can show you where to find it. If you found it, stop looking. Let's go. All right, so God bless you all. As I said, that's going to be my theme this summer. Okay? My theme this summer is going to be, come home to church. I love you guys. Now get out of here. Okay? That's going to be what we're going to do all summer. I'm looking forward to that. So I wonder if we could just pray because I, I just think it's important. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. I thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you made us, Lord. You made us to be a community and to be together, but you also made us to go. And just as you told your disciples, Lord, we believe that that commission is ours today, too, to go out into the world and share your gospel. You know, you know that you're with us always, and all power and authority is yours. We found the pearl of greatest price. Thank you so much, Lord. We found that treasure in the field. So Lord, we just pray right now you would just be with us all this summer and going forward as we crawl out of this pandemic mess, Lord, and help us to be a people that go into the community and tell them about Jesus. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Amen. Thank you all. God bless you all. Have a great week. And we're going to pray for the family. Before we all leave, we're going to pray for the family. If you can stand, I'd ask you to stand just as a sign of support for that family. Um, is there a last name, Victor, or just the guy I saw on TV? John? Thank you. Okay. Lord, we just pray right now for the John family, Lord. Uh, the inf- un- unfathomable pain they must be going through right now. 
Lord, we just pray right now you'll be their portion and their peace and their comfort, Lord. Lord, we choose to mourn with those who mourn. Lord, we don't want to wash over anything. Lord, we just pray right now you'll be with that family, be their strength, be there, be, Lord, be beside them, Lord. Lord, in their grief and in their sadness. Lord, if there's anything we can do, Lord, you just show us that, that we might be do that to support the family. Lord, we pray that there'll be a swift and, and, and um, complete investigation into what happened, Lord, so the family does not live with mystery or with uh, what-ifs, Lord, but let, Lord, that you would just give the investigators who are covering this, Lord, uh, a swift means to do it. And Lord, it, we just pray for the, everybody, from city managers to police to everybody, Lord, that they, they, Lord, they do what's right in that area, Lord, to, 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 to stop that from ever happening to anybody else ever again. But Lord, we just pray. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that that young lady, Lord, she's at peace, Lord, she's in your presence, Lord. We thank you for that, Lord. But Lord, we just pray right now you be with her family, be with them, be their, be their guide, Lord, be their portion, Lord. We ask in Jesus' name. And Lord, we pray, Lord, we pray for people like us, Lord, that we don't say insensitive things to them as believers around them, Lord. Lord, that we just uphold them in prayer and stay with them, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a great Sunday. God bless.